Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey guys, welcome back. We're so glad you could be here with us, listening to us, the voices in your head. And that's our topic for today, voices inside your head and outside your head. Uh, So the question we're going to talk about is how do you maintain your creative integrity with all the voices coming at you? Woohoo! Uh, but first, of course, we're going to talk about our week in what we call Adventures in Screenwriting. How was your week, Lauren? Uh, good, I think. Yeah, I, um, I had to spend some time prioritizing and reorganizing um, and sort of figuring out what my bigger goals are and how to get there. Um, mm. with your help, with with your help. Thank you so much. Yeah. And it's really hard because I have, uh, so many ideas. And, uh, as you know, Meg, as soon as I (laughs) commit to one thing, I have three other brilliant ideas, right? They are much better. Usually, right? Your your brain is like, oh my God, this is hard. So let's do this because this is easier. Yeah. So I have, uh, three projects that I'm focusing on this week and I got a fair amount done on two of them. That's good. Uh, so that feels good. Um, you know, the usual mishigas of life gets in the way. So as much as I, here's my schedule, I'm going to two hours here, I'm going to take a break, I'm going to take a walk with my daughter, then I'm going to do this. Like at some point it starts to fall apart a little bit. So it's about the next day reassessing, right? Which is what I did as a producer. Okay, that didn't work. Let's reassess, uh, reset expectations because I think uh, for me, I have I have a little streak of perfectionism, and so trying not to let okay that didn't work out the way I wanted, needed, expected it to happen. So let's uh, reevaluate, right? So right. every day is a fresh opportunity to reset. That I can't let yesterday's sort of not failure necessarily, but it didn't work jumble. out. Jumble, the jumble, yeah, the jumble. I didn't get to everything I wanted to get to, you know, and and for me, time and energy are, you know, at a premium. And I, it's sort of, you know, the situation that we're in, you know, being locked down, the family pressure, um, I have to figure out how to take care of myself and all this too, right? I, I can't burn myself out. Um, and so that's another piece of it and finding that balance, right? Super important. Like on one yeah. hand, you have that you can't burn yourself out. And on the other hand, you have, I do think you have to set, or it's better to set a specific goal. Yes. Um, Otherwise, you find you're wandering around. Absolutely. Uh, and, and then I find that very anxiety. I mean, listen, some people maybe love wandering around. I need to know. I'm wandering around on my way to that <laughs> goal. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have you know, pitch dates set, so I have certain deadlines. So that's always very helpful to give me a framework. Uh, like That's a nice way of saying you know, panic and the, the terror life. of disappointing people and looking like an idiot. Right. So yes, that yes. or framework, <laughs> frame the framework <laughs> for my day. Hey, I'm trying to be positive here. Right. It's been a long week. I know, um, I but I would love for you two to put together like a dictionary of like what this means <laughs> to people and what this means to writers. We should so do that. Please, people go on your Facebook page and get and start, you know, yeah. telling us your versions of that, what those words actually mean. Yeah, that's funny. 
Um, and then um, I've been, one of the projects I have uh, is based on IP. It's one of these open writing assignments. And so uh, last night I couldn't think, think, sorry, I couldn't sleep because I was trying to figure out what does every character want? What's the thematic similarities? Like, what would it be called? Like, I was up for hours and then I couldn't figure it out, obviously, because, you know, at three in the morning, my brain is not operating at maximum capacity. Uh, but then randomly, I wrote down on a post-it note what it was. And I figured out how each character tracks through that and all oh, their that's different... So f- I love that. All their different plots. So as much as I'd like to say, like, I wish I'd gotten some sleep last night, I think it actually helped churn up some of that stuff. So Hey, if it's up and walking around, yeah, it's up and walking around. My process is unknowable even to me. So <laughs> so I feel, I feel good at the end of the week because I have a plan, even though it's imperfect and I can't successfully accomplish everything I set out to do earlier this week. I feel more powerful and confident and less of a mess and less anxious. Like I have, I have a plan and I communicated what I'm, what I'm focusing on to my manager. I was like, this is, these are my goals. This is what I'm doing. He's in on it. So I feel like. Which is great. That's great that he's in on it. Yeah. So I feel like we have a focus. We're a team. Um, which is good. So that's awesome. I'm also, I'm also exhausted and my throat hurts. So obviously I'm terrified I have COVID. So, you know, that's a whole other thing, but I don't have COVID. I don't leave the house. Well, that's good because, you know, the anxiety now cannot wreak havoc on you in terms of your storytelling and your plan because you kind of got, so now it needs to go somewhere. Yes. So where is it going to go? COVID. Of course. Like it has to go somewhere. Like I, at least mine does. Like as soon as I get it controlled one place, it pops up another and I'm like, I'm having a heart attack or whatever. Yes. Yeah. The Um, hypochondria always sort of kicks in. Oh, it's it's such a great go-to. Because we're such good storytellers, right? Oh my God, we're so good at it. Every time I go to the doctor, she kind of looks at me like, what now? Because I'm always like, I have this bump or whatever. (laughs) My 17 year old's the exact same way. So Um, how was your week, Meg? My week was good. I had one of those weeks where I'm like, I know I worked hard for hours and hours all week, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure what we did. <laughs> <laughs> like, where is the giant ream of paper that should be sitting on my desk from all the work we did? Because, but you're, at, I'm at that stage where we're uh, carding again, so ah. we're going to script. But because there were such big notes, I need to card it again, and the director wants to card it again to say, okay, well, that's. We're, we're okay to go to script, but oh my crap, that's a big note. How does it work? How do, what are the ripples? Where does it, what does it change? So we've spent the week working on mural, uh, obviously because of COVID, uh, which you know, got to learn wait, that program. what's mural? So mural is a program of you can card together at real time. Oh. And so we can literally be on the same pay, carding page and move it around. And we can put a link on the Facebook page if you guys want to check see. it out. And, um, so you can have like you know, act one, act two, act three, and literally like a like a wall of cards, okay. right? But it's on a vid, a digital on your screen, and you can write in the cards. I mean, we figured out that for us, uh, he actually figured out that if we we need to bold it and make it pretty big type, or otherwise you fill those cards with so much information mm. that mm-hmm. you're like, okay, this isn't carding. Yes, like carding. Part of the discipline of carding is. You can't do. You can't write it all down. Right. So, what are the big ideas, and how are they moving? Is a kind of discipline that starts to show fault lines, and mm-hmm. um, so I, so we're doing that, and you know, it showed some fault lines. And <laughs> things. Uh, <coughs> um, 
But now, of course, you know, it takes a long time. Um, he's actually pretty fast at it. I'm a little bit slower. Um, but it would took us, you know, and at one point during the day, uh, he went to one act and I went to the other and we worked at the same time. We oh. literally just got off Zoom and each worked and I could see his little cursor moving and doing things. And, oh, and so it's fun. Cool. But um, so I did that and now, you know, uh, but it was very detail oriented, right? Like, okay, let's talk about this section here with this card for the next hour. Mm. Like, what is this card? How does it work? How is she going to do that? That kind of stuff. So um, it was it's, a lot of work, but now I have now we have a thing on mural, and it sounds uh, it's really great. great. Except for you don't get that satisfaction of unpinning the index card and throwing it on the ground, exactly. And then the next day, finding that card and putting it somewhere else, and it fills in the crack, right? Like that, the physicality of index physicality, cards is so yeah. great sometimes. But it sounds like a great solution in the meantime. It's a solution for COVID or for working long distance, yeah. and. Um, and I did love when I worked at Pixar that, you know, Pete made us leave the cards on the ground. So yeah. at least we felt like we did. There, There's the week. That's the work that we did. It's mm -hmm. all over the floor. Like it could get ankle deep if you remember by the, I mean, because yeah. we would just like pull yes. them down all the time. But um, And I wanted to, so something else that, you said about the, where's yeah. the ream of paper? Like when you see in a movie, a writer, you know, when they finish the book or they finish the thing and they like put the last piece of paper <laughs> on the manual, like that just doesn't happen. You never get that. I mean, maybe no. some people write on a typewriter or it's now it's like you print it out to read it for typos. Like it's not the same. It's just not the same. I mean, it's yeah. good too, because it's not like you can throw it on a fire and be like, ah, now you always have it. Right. But <laughs> way, to, um, way to look at the positive there. <laughs> no, well, at Sundance, when you go to the lab, the last thing you do the night that you're all leaving is they build a bonfire wow. and you have to throw your script in. What? And I'm sure back when you were using typewriters, that was a very big thing to do. So people just now, throw their laptop in? <laughs> exactly. Now you're like, this is symbolic. But it's actually good symbolism. Cool. Um, cool. I don't know if they still do that. They did it in the past. But yeah. the other thing, um, working on a pitch uh, with my husband, uh, and he got notes from the producer. And it was really, it was just something I thought, I thought oh, I should bring this up in terms of you know, when you're working with somebody like a producer, like say on something that you're truly in development on, a, p a pitch that's not sold, it's really tricky, right? Like when do you bring them in and when don't you? So the bonus of not bringing them in and really getting it way down the road is it's really a good selling tool. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it's it, this thing that you're going to hand them or pitch them is exactly what you want it to be. It's got all the bells and whistles you figured out how it's going to sell in the marketplace. It's a great story. It has everything that actor needs. It'll attack, you know, whatever. And you just love it because you figured it all out. And then you're giving them this beautiful little, you know, shiny apple. Or, but the problem with that is they might be like, I didn't want an apple. And you're like, what? Right. I just spent three months on an apple, mm -hmm. right? So you're like, that's, there's a drawback to going too far because that when they teamed up with you as a producer, they thought, you were both making bananas and you didn't realize that and went off and made an apple and you're like, crap. So you really do need to bring them in. But how do you, but if sometimes if you bring them in too soon or when it's too murky or mm -hmm. mushy, you God, like the last thing you want is for them to lose enthusiasm. Yeah. Because you don't want to sow doubt either, right? Like mm -hmm. they're like, huh, it sounded like a good idea. Right. <laughs> but these are really big problems and this is, and they would never say that, but you know, well, this is a challenge and that's going to be a challenge. And uh, so it's always this balance, isn't it, of when to bring that 
partner in to help you and when to sell it, especially when it, in a professional situation and you want to keep them excited. I mean, mm -hmm. I want to keep producers attached. Very, I want to keep my manager and agent excited too. Anybody who has to go out and help you sell this, yeah, I really want to keep them excited. And it was interesting to listen to this call and I couldn't help myself and jumped in at the end. And I was like, because, and by the way, he was still excited, but I could hear the... Yep. I just didn't know, I don't know this producer well enough to know, are these serious doubts or are they just normal doubts like I, that you would do developing? I didn't, I just don't know. So at the end, I was like, I couldn't help it. I jumped in and I was like, well, you know what I'm really excited about? I'm really excited about this buyer and this buyer. And I think this buyer is going to love it. And you know what else? Because but, and if that doesn't work, you know what? We're still selling this. But and I just did this whole kind of push because... I do love it, and I do think my it husband has something special. And I had to remind everybody of the specialness of it because sometimes you can get so down in the challenges that they forget why we all loved it and that there is this market and how exciting this is. And then everything got a little sparkly again, right? Yeah. I'm not lying. I'm not, like, even exaggerating. I'm just trying to remind everybody that this mushy part is normal we still love it. It still has incredible potential, right, mm -hmm. as a product to take out to the marketplace and as something that we love. So I just reminded everybody why That's we love it. So I just thought that was something to help you guys out there uh, listening. Uh, that you know that's a normal process, and you do have to keep your partners engaged on the positive as well. Um, because yeah. uh, that's part of your job, I think, as a writer, is to keep reminding people why this is so awesome. Yeah, and there's that, there's a piece too. Like I've struggled with this, and working with you, Meg, I'm sort of um, uh, figuring this out. Is I like to show work early and get partners' voices in it, and like because that enthusiasm or the questions inspire me. But I've had to learn to see it through farther before I show my work, right? So that I can answer the questions, and it's less. It, so that I, I have done more work, right? This is a discipline and, and a belief in myself and the, my yes. vision and that I made an apple. I know we were talking about bananas, but that didn't work and here's why. I, and here's why this apple is so amazing. And here's why the apple is amazing. And I've answered all these questions about why I did that. It's more work. It's riskier. It's scary. Um, but it is but it is a big uh, developmental piece of being a professional writer, right? Of being in that space and being excited and you can defend your work, right? Right. Yes, yes. And, and, and people do want you to be, do that. Yes. Yeah. You're the expert. You're the, you're the writer. You're the creator. They want you to be excited. And, and it's funny. Like, it depends on what kind of person you are, right? Like, if you're like what you just described, Lorian, we recommend go ahead, make the apple, push yourself to do that, push yourself to believe in yourself, knowing you're still going to get notes, dude, everybody gets yep. notes, but go ahead and push yourself to make the apple. If you're somebody who all you do is make apples and then when people are, don't want an apple, you're like, oh, well, pff, and you're like, you might be the opposite kind of person who never lets anybody in. Right. Why don't you try letting somebody in a little bit earlier? Make sure they're trustworthy. Make sure they, you are on the same page of what this is and why you love it. But maybe you should open yourself up to that and see what you can learn about your creative process, letting somebody in early. Just a thought. I think people. one of the hardest parts about being a writer is constant personal and professional development. That's right. It is, <laughs> it is constant like human evolution. Everything is an opportunity to learn, to challenge yourself. Like there is no, I've got it, right? And I think that just the the future of that, the landscape of that, you know, is 
is a little terrifying. It's comforting in a way. But it's art. It's yeah, art. It's That's art. why it's art. Yeah. That's why it's not, you know, uh, um, and by the way, I think craft is amazing, right? But it's not craft. It's art. Yeah. Because it is about opening yourself up and continually pushing yourself and evolving yourself. And that's what makes it art, right? And honestly, as much as everybody's like, it's a business, you know, we, they want cogs. They also want art. They also want your guts in there. And mm -hmm. they want people who have these uh, points of view. So, um, all right, we're going to move on. Well, that was so well said. I feel like I just needed that this morning. So thank you so much, guys. That <laughs> was welcome. so well said. Um, I would love to do an episode on kind of on pitching now that I'm hearing you talk about it, how like, you know, when to push back against producers, when to stick to you. I just, a lot of that was really good. We can talk about it off air, but. And we are, um, we are expert pitchers. I have to, I'm going to be very confident and say that Lori and I pitching. are great at selling. We're great at selling shit, yeah. guys. We're really yeah. good at it. Personally, so, selfishly would love that episode. So we can talk right, about so it. We'll, we'll, that will probably be a multiple episode, I think, but um, yeah, we'll do that. Amazing. Well, um, speaking of pitches, you guys have sent us wonderful podcast reviews. I don't know if that's a great transition, but we're just going to go with it. <laughs> um, it's one of our favorite things about this show is the community that we've managed to build. Um, and we're just so thankful and grateful. It's not only great to have fans, but it's great to have these wonderful, artistic, creative, like richly engaged fans. It's just really fun. And I know I'm going to speak for Megan Lorian here, but the birthday wishes that you guys sent were just so nice on the Facebook. Oh, yes. Oh, so Thank nice. You Thank so you, everyone. Much. Yeah, really special. And speaking of special, you guys have written some amazing reviews. I'm going to read a couple right now. Um, this one comes from Ben W. Johnson, who says, this is the best new podcast discovery of the year. I somehow only discovered this podcast a week ago, and I'm steadily working my way through the episodes to date. Just have to say it's already my number one favorite new podcast of the year with a great mix of craft and motivational advice. Exactly what I needed right now and looking forward to more. Uh, what a cool review. Thank you, uh, Benjamin. Thank you. JRC1905 says, this is a breath of fresh air. For anyone who doesn't believe in themselves, this one is for you. If you struggle to write in a capacity... In any capacity, uh, screenwriting, fiction, articles, anything, this one is for you. These are two very intelligent, thoughtful, and honest women telling you the ins and outs of screenwriting and living the craft. I found a little nugget or an oh moment in every episode. I feel like I know them and we're friends. I can't wait for them to be back each week. In the meantime, I'll be returning every so often and taking notes on these beautiful lessons. Thank you, Meg, Lorian, and Jeff. What an amazing review. <laughs> Oh, wow. So Thank you so much. So well written. Both of those. Lovely. Um, I'm going to read just one more and then we have a couple we can read even next week. But this one comes from Eddie Amaro, who says, the only show I'm subscribed to right now. I've never written a review on Apple Podcasts before, but this show has been such a great space to tuck in, uh, to tuck into over the last few crazy weeks and intense months that I felt compelled to share. Lorian and Meg are two amazingly incredible humans helping us all plug along, do the work and celebrate the journey. Thank you. Oh. That's so great. Well, you guys think, I mean, Lauren and I, of course, when we hear people say nice things about us, we're like, but, <laughs> but it is, it is so nice to know that it's helping you. I yeah. mean, that's what I love to hear about either right now through, through the uh, Apple reviews, which of course also helps us, you know, uh, but also I like to know that what's helping you and that it's, that it's worthwhile for you guys. Yeah. Well, that's what I'll say. We're not just reading the podcast to toot our own horn. We're reading them to really build that sense of family that the, we want this show to be. So when you guys write those reviews, it's a really kind of personal way for you to connect with us, which we really appreciate. And I will say it helps other people find the show. Uh, Meg and Lorian have always been missional in their goal for this show. And those reviews help push the podcast to more people. So they're really helpful. And we will keep reading your beautiful reviews on air. 
Um, speaking of our community, I want to quickly mention the Facebook group. If you don't know, we have a Facebook group. Um, it's a really, really cool, I think, essential part of being a fan of this show because it gives you support throughout the week between episodes. Um, but there's a couple uh, like ad- admission questions that we have. Uh, Lauren, remind me there, who are the hosts of the show? And I should know, but... I think what I mean to say is, um, just so you all know, those questions are in place just to make sure that we're vetting people who are actually fans of the show. So make sure when you're joining the group, you take the time to answer those questions so we know you actually understand our show. And we've had some really funny um, responses to those questions, right, Lorian? Which we, we we have to assume they're just trolls who don't even are just trying to sign up for everything. I don't know why people would do this, but like we've had really. You want to tell? Them, do you remember some of the funny ones? Yes. Uh, you know, I just dropped out for a second. My internet just failed. So right. I don't know. But, uh, you know, the two questions, right? Who are the hosts? And right. uh, what's your favorite movie? And I, my favorite responses to who are the hosts is who cares? And Robert McKee and um, <laughs> uh, and the authors, um, which, you know, might be a language thing. I don't know. But uh, Robert McKee was probably my favorite. And what, it, so you guys, if you answer that way, as much as you're making us laugh, we can't let you in the group because it means, you know, you could not be an authentic human. You could be a robot or yeah. a troll or so. Um, please answer the questions. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and speaking of questions, that's a better transition. Uh, we want to thank you for all the beautiful questions we send, uh, you send each week. We love answering them on the show. And what I'm going to say is um, if you're sending a question to our email, we're going to assume that you are okay with us saying your first name and reading that question on the air. Um, so let us, if, if you send a question to the email and you don't want your question read on air, you just want a private response, please note that in the email or we're, or we're going to assume that you're okay with it being read on the show. Or tell us you want to be anonymous. Or tell us you want to be anonymous. That's great. Um, but if you post questions to the Facebook page, we're kind of building that to be more of like our safe haven. So um, we won't read any Facebook page questions without your permission first. So you can, if you have a question that feels a little more private or like you just want like a mentorship community element of support on that question, the Facebook page is a better place to go for that. Yeah. And there's really, there's pro writers on there too, answering questions. And yeah, so it's not even just me and Lorian. So it's mm-hmm. a great place. Yeah. All right. So topic topic of the show ah, here we go is voices so last last podcast we did um voice meaning your voice as a writer what is that and now we're doing kind of a part two which is voices meaning you know the voices in your head and the voices coming at you uh is our topic yeah. um you know the most obvious place you're going to get a lot of voices is getting notes right right um, and those voices coming at you, which you should be wanting, you, I mean, well, wanting, you should be w- getting them, like you, whether you want them or not, it is part of your process to allow those voices to come into your process. Um, but it can also be overwhelming, I think. Um, you know, my first question always is, is it too soon? Kind of like what we talked about, yeah. about the week, like you, you can bring voices in too soon as a form of self-sabotage, mm-hmm. um, even unconscious. So, you you know, what and, and who, what voices are you bringing in when, I guess is what I would ask you in terms of your note getting, but that's your job as a writer to know, okay, it is time. I do need the feedback and these are the kinds of people I need right now. Do you need the supportive people who are going to just help you figure stuff out and tell you to go or... Or do you need the voices that are a little 
um, more professional or have a higher bar or, and you do need those voices. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. so it's your kind of, you have to be the gatekeeper of the voices coming at you. Yeah. In terms of the process of notes. Which is a hard thing to learn, right? Uh, Especially if you're getting feedback from someone who you feel might be farther along in their career or you really respect, that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. Sometimes it's a note for you to get or an idea for you to get and bang up against and figure out why it doesn't work or why it does work. Like if somebody gives you an idea, that doesn't mean it's what you have to do, right? It can feel that way because this person knows more than I do. They have more experience. They've been through this so many times, but sometimes it really is just like, ugh, why? And then you can make a better choice for your project. Yeah. Um, Again, that's such a great word, choice, right? Like it's their version. mm -hmm. It might be their passion, all of which is valid. It just may not be yours. And the only person who can assess that is you. I mean, don't use it as an excuse not to take a note. (laughs) Anything we say (laughs) today about voices. Here's the needle. We're going to thread it. (laughs) Right? Like anything we say today, you can't use as an excuse just not to take a note. But in terms of, you know, Often, yeah, you can get confused over. And, you know, I'm sorry, sometimes you've asked a person who has not not great motive. They're jealous of you or and that is truly self-sabotage. And, you know, this person, it can be mean or, you know, then, you know, that's again, your choice. Why are you making that choice for yourself? Um, You know, sometimes after all those voices come in, it can be very overwhelming, right? Like, You went out and you got your 10 reads on your script and that's 10 voices coming at you and there's a range of them. You know, those voices now are in your head, right? Which can start an echo chamber, right? Like they were outside of you. You've got them on a a video, you know, a a, a voice recorder, like because that's what Lori and Meg told you to do. (laughs) But now they're in your head, right? So my first advice about those voices is to get it on paper. Really get it out for yourself as objective facts, a list, engine parts, right? Story engine parts, whatever you can do to kind of get it out of the subjective, emotional, oh my God, I suck voices in my head and really just look at it like a, like a mechanic, right? Like you're a story mechanic, right? Here, here, here came the diagnostics, right? So try to get it out. You might need time to mulch. You you might need those voices to be kind of like fine wine, just to now use another metaphor, um, where they just need time to brew inside of you. Um, That's okay, too. Um, I find that hard for me personally because I can get tweaked. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, the voice is in my head can tweak me. And sometimes I don't even know why I'm getting tweaked. I just know I'm hooked. I just know my emotions got up or they've said something that I'm actually afraid of or something that is a hook. Like, let's say, um, well, you know, you're writing about a character this age, but you're not that age. You're much older. Maybe you're not modern or, you know, like that might tweak me because then, of course, I have a whole like thing in my head about humans are humans and whatever. But I got a little tweaked by that. Mm -hmm. So I can also start to project. I think you can start to project onto the person giving the voice, giving you the note and you don't even realize it, but suddenly you've made them into something else, into a different voice. Like, suddenly, do you know what I'm saying? Like, this is going to sound a little bit weird, but like the voice coming at you is literally just your good friend who had this issue, but suddenly it's also taking on the tone of your mother or whatever. Right. Like and it, then you, it, you've it, implanted that inside, in your head. Yes. And that's a you, third, right? There's your voice, then there's the note giver, and then it's become this, like, you're haunted by... Your actual yes. life and all that. So you're getting triggered, right? That's what you're... You can get tweaked and triggered and, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I find that that's really 
the other kind of voices I wanted to talk about, right? So there's people giving you notes, right? And then there's the social voice out in the world that's coming at you um, in terms of what society says you can do or can't do with a story um, or even just deeper things that are unconscious. Like I was watching a cooking show with a very well-known chef who will remain nameless who went to Naples and he was eating margarita pizza in Naples. And the, somebody asked him, where do you think the name margarita comes from? And he says, basically, well, I'm going to tell you, I'll just make up the story. You want, let's make it up. She was a very well-known prostitute around town and she was really good at giving head is basically what he says. <laughs> and then these men laugh and they just keep going. And I like, was like, what? Whoa. But that this, that the, that the social, the social fabric was that a woman who had a pizza named after her must have been a whore. It, it, it was so disempowering right. and so casual and so woven in the threads of so many other things that I literally stopped the TV and looked at my husband and was like, did you hear that? And he was like, what? And I was like, did, and I repeated it. And he was like, oh, my God. Like, you have to catch it. You have to catch the voices coming at you sometimes because you don't even realize you're writing a certain way or believing certain things because there's a social thread going through that you've learned unconsciously. And it, all you have to do is start getting aware of it, right? Like, that was very disempowering to women. Mm -hmm. It was very much about where women need to be. And by the way, I am sure this chef, has no idea he said that and he may, ho may hold none of those values because I am talking about a social thing which then can also go down into the voices coming from family right mm -hmm. like I said like that voice suddenly becomes your mother so like you have these voices in your head all the time right like my father's voice was always about responsibility you have to be responsible most important thing is be is be responsible and I grew up with that and I have this constant voice about responsibility and I have to be responsible and it does bleed into my writing in good ways in that I'm always deadline oriented I feel very responsible if somebody's paying me something that I do my very best and all of that was great stuff in that voice in my head but there's a dark side to it too right yeah. in terms of it's this hammer I use to um, beat myself down and it really took me to realize that I was doing that and to realize, wait a minute, inside the word responsible is the word response. I can have a response to things. It's my choice, right? It's not something that I have to do. It's something I'm choosing to do. I can also choose to stop doing it. You know what I mean? Like, but that voice was so woven into my being that it takes some time to even hear the voice and that it's not a part of you. Like somebody said to me once, and it really changed my life, you know, all the voices in your head may not be right. Just because they're in your head does not mean that what they're telling you is right. And knowing that and being able to process that are like worlds apart, Huge. right? Yes. Like I can know that what I need to do is silence the voices in my head and do the work. But those voices can bottom me out, right? Not good enough. For me, it's not good enough, right? And if you try, yeah. even if you try your best, you might still fail, right? Like 
the and I don't know if that's fear of failure or fear of success. I haven't figured that one out yet. But it's a like, bit of both. Yeah, it's a, you're as usual combo yes. platter. Yeah, but sort of being aware, being you know, as my therapist likes to say, mindful of it doesn't fix it. That's a whole other bag of work. Um, well, but it, it being aware, especially because a lot of these things that we're talking about right now are unconscious, right? Yeah, there are things that you learn, voices that have come up to you through your childhood. It doesn't have to be your parents. It could be teachers. It could be coaches. It could be on television, like this chef, like two nights ago saying this, right? Right, like, which I laughed at when you said, right? Because I'm so enculturated in the sort of male gaze, patriarchal joke at women's expense and that that's a woman. So I, my, I felt a little uncomfortable when you told that, but I, but I giggled because that's how I've been conditioned to respond to stuff like that. And then right, and like, it does it, it and, does affect you and your view of women. It's yeah. how it's how you're going to write female characters unconsciously. Yeah. And those unconscious beliefs, all you have to do at first is try to get aware of them. Honest to God, just be aware of them is is a huge step because when you shine light on it, now your intellectual brain and the rest of your being can come in and uh, analyze it and think about it and do you agree? I mean, there's a great woman. Her name is By uh, Byron Katie, and her whole thing is. Here's what you say when you become aware of it. Is that true? That's what you ask. Is that true? Right? So if I do this, I'm just going to fail. Is that true? Well, no, of course not. There's no way you can know that. So it helps kind of knock that belief into its spot, which is, okay, that's a belief. Thank you very much. I hear you. That's not, it's not fate. It's not reality. It's a belief coming up, so I'm gonna keep moving. Now, sometimes you cannot get words to what it is. You just feel it in your body. This happens a lot when I'm writing or getting notes or you know, getting nervous about pitching or whatever. Like there's a million times as an artist, this feeling will just come up like a gripping in me or a, or a heaviness, right? If, if that's happening, you know, just feel it in your body as a thing. Like don't even put words towards it. It, and think about where is it in your body? Is it solid? Is it mushy? Think about the texture of it. What you're trying to do is just get some space between you and it, that that is not you. This is a feeling. This is an unconscious thing. If you can just get five degrees of space between you and it, one degree of space between you and it, just get a crack of light. You know, don't try to get rid of it. Don't judge it, because guess what? That's just going to make it bigger. <laughs> um, so just, you know, awareness is a really great thing. And then I just also really wanted to say to you guys something that I did in a very difficult time in my life when I, the voices were very, very loud, outside and inside. I did this thing. I love morning pages. We've talked about that before. Please do morning pages. That's going to help get the voices out onto the page so they're not mixing up your writing. They're not getting in and writing. They're out on the page. Get them away from you and the writing, which is sacred space. And I was talking to Lorian, like, maybe if you can, ha write in one place that the phone aren't allowed there, phone calls aren't allowed there, the voices from the outside are not allowed in that physical space that your body knows this is sacred space for your voice, no other voices. Um, but the other thing that I did when I, when I had this hard time is, and I, don't, I just did this out of instinct, is I turned off all the lights and I sat in the dark with a pen and paper and I just asked the question that I had in my heart and I just free wrote the answer. I just let my hand write the answer and it wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I couldn't even read what I was writing, you guys. It was pitch black. 
I don't even know if I could read it now, but I knew, and it kind of answered me, and it just said, ultimately, stay in the boat. Don't get out of the boat, was where it, which was like, this is scary. I get it. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. Stay in the boat. And it really, I, you know, was that my higher self answering me? Probably, right? It was that bigger, ageless part of you that knows you're okay and that this you've been subsumed by this other voice. It's the you coming to talk to the voice, right? Like mm-hmm. it, whatever you can do to try to get yourself grounded um, so that you don't get yourself mixed up with that voice. Um, be that again, the voice is coming in for notes, the voice is in your head that you're scaring yourself with. You just try to get yourself some, some space uh, uh, so that you can really look at it objectively, as objectively as you can. I mean, we're not Buddha, but yeah. I mean, that's what meditation is. Meditation is trying to help you get that space, right? Um, There's also the voices of very real people in your life. People who might be like vomiting negativity at you. You know, there's mm-hmm. people who believe in you and will say, we believe in you. We love you no matter what, you know, do this. We'll create the space for you to do it. And then there are the people who send either mixed messages or confusing messages or really negative messages. Like, or and, super passive aggressive yes. where you're like, wait a minute. I don't even think that was very nice. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of artists hear this from parents who want them to go to business school or be successful in some way, you know, that that is a sort of cliche version. But there are versions of that that artists hear their whole lives, right? Like I get a lot of, how are you making a living? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because it's not a traditional way. You sell a show, you make a lot of money, then you don't sell a show for a while. You have to live off that money. But from the outside world, it looks like you're just home in your basement. Well, and that's so funny because like a voice could also be a look on someone's face too, right? Like, and you start reading into the looks. And I mean, at some point in terms of, okay, family's different, but in terms of those voices that are around you, you do, again, it has to come back to you and your choice. It's your life. You're building it. Nobody else is building this. So why are those people in your life? Yeah. And that was And choosing. I understand if it's your parents, but other than that, yeah. and even then, to be honest with you, even then, you might have to take a break. Yeah. You might have to take a loving break if it is really chipping away at you and it's a voice that is not feeding you and nourishing you, you have to ask why you're allowing it in your life. What are you getting out of that? Because sometimes you get out of that voice beat in your life a victim power that means you don't have to try, right? Or whatever. And again, I'm not, I'm not trying to psychoanalyze anybody. I'm just trying to think of why would you keep a voice like that in your life? Of course, yes, family obligations, sometimes they're much more complex and, and, uh, and hard to deal with. But in general, I think you even with family, you have to ask, what voices are you surrounding yourself with? And I think tribe is so important, mm-hmm. so important to have positive voices around you that are telling you to keep going and can see you, right? Like sometimes I get lost and I can't see myself and the voices have gotten too loud. I once called Lorian from a CVS because <laughs> the voice. Did you butt dial me that day? Was it like a a subconscious? It was like an unconscious dial. (laughs) The voice got so loud. Like, guys, it got really loud in my head. And it was a a specific person. And her voice got in my head. And it was bad. And I ended up talking, walking around the CVS talking to Lorian. (laughs) And it just really helped have somebody reflect me back to me reflect on reality back to me versus what it is. And, you know, sometimes the person can say to you, how old are you? Because you've 
fallen into this place of that your young self is up and it's like you know what no you're this old you're in the cvs you're fine you're amazing she's this that voice is this that voice's motive is this can you see it can you see what she's trying to do whatever that is and you need that reflection back and that you're great or whatever it is and it really it really helped and then the best thing about having lorian as that voice of positivity in your life is then she can also make you laugh until you cry walking around CVS, <laughs> which is amazing because laughter really breaks up the voice. It really does. Like it just starts to shatter the negativity because you're laughing at it. You're laughing at that voice that had, that really was dragging you down. And you're like, you get back ground back under your feet. You get that space I'm talking about between you and it. Um, so I just, that's, I, I, I just really, you you have to it's a muscle you need to learn as an artist to handle the voices outside and inside um and i'm just looking to make sure there was one other thing i wanted to say in terms of um so there's also the voices and we can take this topic to writing right so uh you're building a character and your character is going to have a voice and you know i'm sure you've heard in craft every character has to speak with a different voice blah 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 but I want you to think about all the stuff we're talking about today, about the voices in your head. Your character has voices in their head. Your character has unconscious beliefs. Your character has voices that have gotten so deep in them that they now see the world a certain way and don't even realize, right, that that's the voice in their head. If you look at uh, Inside Out, when Riley's mom says to her, uh, thanks for being our happy girl, there's the voice that has lodged in and become a part of her identity. So you can look in act one at your character, and here's the trick. You have to convince me, the audience, of the voices, that the voice is right, right? Right. You have to convince me, oh, that's a good belief. That's a good voice. We should listen to that voice. That's important, be that an external other character or be that interior your character, that you have to convince me that that voice is true and right, and then through act two, you're bringing new voices in, right? And the, these new voices are asking your character, are you sure that's true? Are you sure that's true? Are you sure that's true? Because you said you couldn't handle the ocean, but you handled sharks. And, you know, it, like literally look at Nemo. Everyone is asking that fish, are you sure it's true you can't handle the ocean? Are you sure it's true there's nothing but fear out here? Because these are pretty cool turtles, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and until you get to the end of Act Two, where it breaks, when that voice, that belief, be it comes either probably comes into consciousness, right, right. is really what's happening. Mm -hmm. That unconscious belief has now broken the surface, so that your character can get some space between it and itself, and it can look at it and say, oh, "That's not true," mm -hmm. <laughs> and right. I've been living believing this is true and it's not that's not true of me it's not true of the world it's not true of this relationship and now is the new birth that's the death now of that belief of that voice and now is the new birth of the new belief that is more organic and authentic to your character and we get to have it with the character right if we're ahead of the voice in act one we don't get to have the catharsis so these voices we're talking about are also all through your script. They're coming at your main character. You're, we know who your main character is by how they respond to the voices coming at them, right? Their behavior towards them tells us so much about them, um, and you've aligned us to them. 
So what we're talking about is not just you as an artist, but also in terms of. Yeah. So um, good. That's so good. Just one more thought I had quickly, if I could hop in. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like when you talk about like family and those voices we're hearing, one question I sometimes like to ask when I'm writing is like, who is this for? Because in this script that um, I'm working on right now that I'm doing a table read of this Sunday, there's one scene in particular that I was afraid to write. Hmm. And I realized hmm. I was like, my mom wouldn't like this. Oh, yeah. that's Those so good. good. Look, awareness. Yeah. Oh, the awareness. You got the awareness. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's good. Yeah. But I was like, what an unhealthy relationship to this scene <laughs> that like the voice that's preventing me from writing this is my mother. But then, and the irony is that's the scene everyone loves. And I think mm -hmm. like, it's because I was so afraid to write it. And the truth is yes. like, it's okay if there are certain people that your movie's not for, your writing's not for. Like, I'm like, you know, my mom probably won't like this movie. And like, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not writing this script for my mom. Like, I just had to have that realization. I'm writing it for people that love the same things I do. So I think... Listen, I actually had that happen in real time where I, as a producer, made a movie with the wonderful, amazing Jane Anderson in which at the end of the movie, a baby is abandoned. And Jane's last shot is a, is a close-up of the baby in the bassinet, right? And... My father watched that movie. He came upstairs and he looked at me and he said, why would anybody ever make that or watch it? Oh, God. And I, of course, went down into a little dark pole. But I also, it was really a great gift because now it's happened. This thing that I'm so afraid is going to happen has happened. He does not like something that I made. Mm -hmm. He does not respect it. He does not get it. And I was able to get space between that and me and feel myself and that I fucking loved it. Mm -hmm. And there were people out there who were getting it, who were coming up to us, coming up to Jane and crying and weeping. And it meant so much to them and it moved them. And that no, my father, who is dead so I can say this, sorry, dad, he didn't want to feel too much. He just didn't. He was a pilot. He was a trained pilot. They are trained. Emotion is dangerous. So to him, this was incredibly weird. Why would you want to feel this much? Right? But to me, I, you know, he got me as a daughter who I literally was like the opposite of him. And I want to feel everything. I want to feel it all. This is, you know, this is the, the way to authenticity and artistry. and ooh. So I, I'm so glad that you felt, saw that in yourself and caught it and that you're able, and they love it. That's the one that they, everybody loves. I know. The one that you were afraid to write. So like maybe there's an element, if you're feeling those voices, like get excited because what that means, I think, is like you're on the verge of something really fucking good. You are. Yeah. You are. Man, if those voices are screaming, screaming, oh, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I think so. So it's scary, but yeah. but exciting. Yeah. So good, you guys. So very good. And I think um, one last thing, just in terms yeah, of yeah. voices and what we tell ourselves um, we've talked before on the show about sort of claiming that I am a writer thing, how hard it is when you first get started. I am a writer, being able to say that to other people and believe it. I think for me, I've had to really, like I was so afraid of pitching when I first started. It seemed like such an opportunity to, you know, make an ass of myself. But I think I told myself at one point, I love pitching. I'm amazing at it. And then that just became this refrain that I had. So like, I believe it now because I've said it to myself so many times. That's my voice telling me and everyone else who will listen. I love pitching and it's fun. And now I go into pitch meetings thinking I'm going to have a good time. So it's less stressful. And so I 
I like earlier on this podcast, I was had to be like, I love hearing the reviews, right? Like I had to like, at first it was like so scary. And now I'm like, you know what? I actually love it because it's not always about me and my response to things. Sometimes it's about validating someone else's, you know, opinion and response to the show. And so like, how can I change the narrative in my head? And so just be very careful. Like I have a friend, another writer, and we joke all the time about how we're both garbage writers, which I feel like might not be the healthiest thing right? <laughs> like it's a very specific relationship we have. Um, and neither of us believe it about each other or ourselves. And it's a joke, but you know, at the same time, uh, so you can change your own, you can change the narrative a little bit. You can change, uh, the voices. Yeah. Yeah. And you can decide what voices you're going to have in your head or not. And yes, some are yeah. going to stick around forever because yes. they now think they're helping you live. And that's fine. Yes. Just make a chair and put all the ghosts down. <laughs> um, right. All right. All right. So, so question of the week. Yes. Yes. Um, so we've had a lot of different people ask about imposter syndrome. Um, you know, they've asked about it in terms of having the right qualifications and feeling like they're not in the right school or program and, you know, don't watch enough t of the written enough films or TV shows, or my ideas suck, or I'm faking it completely, or I fooled everybody, right? Like these are just some things, ways the imposter syndrome can come and speak in your ear, right? And we thought this was mm -hmm. a good, because it is another yeah. voice. This is a, this imposter syndrome yes. is another voice in your ear. And, you know, it can strike at any time in the process. It can yep. strike when you're getting an idea all the way to you're walking down the red carpet. It can strike at any level. Um, it can strike because you're a brand new writer and you're in college and you just wrote your first screenplay. It can also strike because I have spoken to this person when you've won two Academy Awards and some part of you thinks there's going to be a knock on the door and they're going <laughs> to say that this was a total mistake. You need to give those back. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it yeah. strikes everybody, guys. It's not just because you're new that this is a very, very common. Um, it's a very common thing. Um you know, yeah. so what do you think, Lauren? Well, I could talk about imposter syndrome all day long instead of writing, obviously. Um, I used to joke that I have imposter syndrome on my imposter syndrome <laughs> because you have to be a writer in order to have imposter syndrome. So how dare I? So it's sort of like inception imposter syndrome. Um, for me, uh, it's interesting because the feedback I get about my presentation is like how confident I am. Like when I walk into a space, like you're so confident. And I think like, who are they seeing? So for me, it's this weird disconnect that like, I'm not quite sure who I am in a space, but other people are seeing me in a different way. Um, uh, so it's very confusing for me, like how other people see me and how I'm processing the world. And then I see other people being so confident and, and articulate and understanding what's going on. And half the time I'm like, what is happening? Can someone please translate what you just said? And, you know, like people say things to me in like Hollywood speak and I'm like, what? Like, is that because I haven't been here for my whole life? Like I've just, everything is mysterious, you know? And then I, so I think like, obviously I'm out of my depth. So anything can trigger me really. It's really fun. It's really, really fun. <laughs> Well, I mean, anything can trigger you at any time, right? Like I've literally been yes. in meetings and all of a sudden, like I'm literally pitching thinking, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Like, yes. it, but you just have to keep going. I mean, yes. you know, the cure, the cure to imposter syndrome, number one is fake it till you make it. Like yeah. everybody has it. The difference is they are giving it a shot and, and out there doing it. And 
you know, I really think confidence, the best confidence comes from your own passion, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, when I feel that space and I'm like, oh my God, and I'm, I'm, I have, I, what am I doing? I'm totally faking it. I might not be attached to the material. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I might've gotten dis, disattached intellectually. I mean, emotionally, my intellect has unattached me and I'm not passionate and I can't speak clearly about my passion about the project. And that's when I might get myself in trouble versus I, I know this, I'm passionate about it. I know the A's and B's and I've dotted all the I's and I am ready to talk about this. And this is how I feel about it. If you don't like it, that's totally fine. I love it. I'm going to keep going. Right. Like, I think the passion for me is what helps about the project, not myself, not my ego, but about the project, the characters. When I get into that, it breeds a kind of confidence that is not from your head, but your heart. And people really will respond to that. They do want you to be confident. They want you to be a creator. They want yeah. you to think it's going to be freaking awesome. Um, again, that doesn't mean you don't take notes, but uh, <laughs> I just always have to say that. Um, you know, so, you know, I do think there's the kind of fake it till you make it. You have to say to yourself, oh, well, I feel imposter syndrome. Who cares? <laughs> because right. Everybody does. uh, And then try to reconnect down into your passion. Like if you're getting worried about you're at the wrong school, you're not at USC, you're not here, you're not there. My first question is, what is happening right now in your creativity that you were worried about this? Hmm. Did you get close to something that was deeper and more resonant? And this is an easier thing to worry about than diving into that lava? Probably. from a just logistic standpoint, I do not think anybody cares what school you come from. No, Sorry. I agree. I say yeah. that to all, I, with, with great respect to all of the great schools. Uh, in the business, do you have a great script? Mm. How you get there is your business. If it was going to school, how, whatever it is, do you have a great script with all those levels of craft and uniqueness and that voice and that lava and all that stuff and you understand the marketplace. Yes, I just named a lot of things that you may have to go to school to learn, right? But you can't be at the wrong school, guys. Like you just, that's not a thing. Can you, you know, can you ever watch enough movies? No. Will you ever watch enough TV shows? No. So if you're worried about that, my question is why are you worrying about that, right? Like what is really the question underneath there? you know, listen, occasionally imposter syndrome or doubts, they, it's here to tell you something. It has good information for you. And you maybe you are the one who has to assess that, right? Like, okay, I'm feeling this. Why? Well, because the truth is I totally cheated and didn't watch all these movies that I really should have watched that are in the genre of the movie I'm making. And I'm kind of faking it. Well, that's appropriate. You should go back and you should watch those (laughs) movies And you should not be faking it because that's something you can do because the people listening to your pitch have all watched those movies. So sometimes imposter syndrome is appropriate. You are cheating. You're cutting a corner. You're bullshitting, right? Don't do that. Go ahead and and go back and listen and get more tools. That's the imposter syndrome doing you a big favor and telling you, you need more tools. Go get more tools. Great. Go get more tools. But it's not about your value as a person or you get to be an artist or you don't get to be an artist or you get to be a writer or you don't get to be a writer. Like who determines that? Nobody. There is no star council who says you get to be a writer. And I know that sounds ridiculous that I even have to say that, but I know a lot of people in your head 
you actually think that. And there is not. It literally is, what is the story? Mm -hmm. Is this a great best story? That's all it's about. Yes, there's a marketplace. Yes, certain things fit in the marketplace at different times. But right now, man, guys, there's a lot of buyers with streaming. I mean, you, you should just be writing, in my opinion, what you love mm -hmm. and seeing where it fits. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So I, I do think that the imposter syndrome generally is a bunch of malarkey and you should just fake it till you make it and push through and know everybody has it. But you, it might be indicating some tools that are needed. What do you think, Lauren? Do you think it's ever, ever uh, telling I, you something? I'm honestly, like, I'm so in the mire of my own imposter syndrome. Like, I love what you're saying, but I have not been mindfully examining it in a real way. Like, I have imposter syndrome about being on this podcast, right? <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like, That's why we like to hear what you guys tell us it helps because we're like, oh, good. Like, who the hell am I? Like, I am in it. Like, I'm still like realizing like, oh, I need to make a schedule for myself every day. Right. Like, like the shock of all shocks. Right. Like, so uh, I, I feel like this is a good assignment for me. Uh, so maybe I can speak to it with a little distance eventually is like, why do I have such like sometimes debilitating imposter syndrome? Not as much as I used to. Right. Um, because like the more what, you do, right, the more it, less ground it has. Yes. Yeah. Sold all these pitches and you did this and this script, people like it. It's starting to have less ground to feed on, right? It'll yeah. always have something. like Which is confusing. I have to say, which is confusing, right? I have success, but then I have the imposter syndrome monster and I'm like, I, well, one of them is lying. So it must be my success, <laughs> right? <laughs> No, that's what I'm, no, that's what I'm saying. So like, I, and I think neither are true. I just exist, you know, I'm trying to tell stories, right? Like my success, my past success is great, but it doesn't make me like successful forever. And the imposter syndrome is a tool that helps, you know, I don't know what, how it helps, but it must help me in some way um, or not. I don't know. Like I said, I'm still really grappling with it. So, uh, you know, I'm just... Yeah, I would ahead. love to hear about it as you as you explore. <laughs> well, God, now did I just give myself an assignment? Ugh. Oh no. I, when imposter syndrome, if it's becoming debilitating, what I do is I literally go take a walk because it doesn't function well physically. It, 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 if you're starting to get your blood flowing and you're looking at the yeah. trees and you're looking at the details of a leaf, it really can't now because it's use it it wants bodilessness. It wants just a whirling kind of fog. Um, and so I, I get physical. I mean, I don't run you guys, you guys know, I like stumble. <laughs> but I keep doing it because it does help this. It does help this anxiety imposter syndrome thing. I listen to music, because it takes me out of my brain, it sends me somewhere else and exercise really helps too. But for me, it's Music. Make them tell yeah. you you're a dope. Of course, you deserve it. You know? <laughs> well, I think it's really important what you said, too, about the fact that, like, it doesn't... The beautiful thing and the scary thing about writing is, like, like you said, it doesn't matter where you went to college. It that's That can be a really empowering or scary thing, depending on how you look at it, because what right. that means is everyone starts with a blank page. Aaron Sorkin starts with a blank page. So, like, instead of viewing that as scary, view that as empowering is... You know, it's you're starting with the exact same blank page that all these really accomplished writers are starting with. And, you know, that's hard. The hard thing about acting is like if you're an actor, it does matter what you look like. It, that stuff. And so right. the beautiful thing about being a writer is 
in this business is like we're all starting with that blank page. So you can do that as empowering rather than debilitating it, in the right headspace. No, yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think going to school is great. I don't mean that all to mm-hmm. say don't go to school because there is so much to learn and there's great teachers who can help you learn it. So but just know it's not really valid imposter syndrome fodder. It just no. isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because whether you went to USC or Chapman or a community college, if you hand me a script and it's amazing, I don't even, who, nobody ever asks. Like no. nobody ever asks about where no. you went to school. No. Um, so uh, just, you know, be, assess what the voice is saying. Okay, we're kind of going back to the topic. Always assess, is that true? Is that you know, true? And, yeah. and, and, and do you need more? And maybe you want an excuse to go watch movies. I know there's days I do. <laughs> oh, I'm too behind. I'm saving. We're saving. Okay, well, I won't say. Anything. I have a yeah. lot of thoughts okay. on this season. I, but we need to talk about it off air. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. Oh my god, we have to talk about it. Yes, um, so that's funny. another thing to do when you are feeling imposter. You're, the voices are loud. Yeah. Just go watch a little. Enjoy something. I mean, I think that's yeah. when I'm writing and I'm in like a really like I have to haul ass. I watch either. A, Brit- a baking show or I watch like design shows mm-hmm. two things I don't do I don't bake and I hate <laughs> designing interiors for homes but I the satisfaction of it finishing uh, when yes. you are down in the in the in the channel of just working and working and writing and writing and it's revising and revising and you just feel like it's never going to finish and then I do you remember when I was at Pixar? I was obsessed yeah. of watching those home shows because yeah. it would be like, it's a disaster. It's <laughs> chaos. Everything they thought was gonna work doesn't work. And then 20 minutes later, and here is the beautiful home. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? It all worked out. It's all fine. <laughs> Sounds like a good strategy. Yeah. Well. Okay, I totally went off topic there. You can just That's cut okay. back. I think we leave it. We definitely leave it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, guys, thank you all so much for being with us again. Please go to the Facebook page or our Gmail account if you are off Facebook. Uh, I know some people are. Uh, and, And talk to us. Yeah, and keep giving us feedback and tell us what you need. And remember, you are not alone. Thanks for tuning in to The Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.